Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right, good morning, good day, good afternoon. My guest today is Matt Huffman. Matt is is an attorney who specializes in wildfire litigation and criminal defense. He passed the California bar exam on his first attempt, won a governor's pardon for a deserving client, and has jury and bench trial victories to his credit. Matt is a strong believer in standing up for those who are unable to do so for themselves. Matt is a U.S. Army veteran, a Veterans Path alum, and now is a Veterans Path veteran leader. We're going to learn a lot more about Matt, his time in the Army, what steered him towards becoming a lawyer and towards Veterans Path, and finally, why he chose to become a vet leader in Veterans Path. And that's all here today on the Veterans Path podcast. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, John. Thank you. How have you been, man? Uh, I've been doing pretty good. Been uh, been busy with work and kids, and I got two teenage daughters, so anybody's familiar with that can imagine what that entails anybody who's been a teenager knows what that entails so i guess that's everybody (laughs) yeah both sides right well yeah Yeah. i think uh i think the last time we chatted via text and you know we met a a couple months back and i'll get into that but last time we chatted i think you were getting a tooth pulled or something how how did that all turn out uh yeah okay yeah so so, i know know you want to share that with everyone it hurt it hurt a whole bunch uh uh, it actually was, you know, in, when I was in the army, uh, I would, uh, you could get your wisdom teeth pulled, yeah. and, uh, you know, for free. And so my mom was like, Hey, get your wisdom teeth pulled while you're in there. And so they would give you like, I remember like two days off every time you got a tooth pulled. So I remember guys were getting like four at once. I was like, forget <laughs> that. You can get like, you can get like a total of eight days off if you get, get them all spaced out. So I thought I'd space them out. Well, one time I did that and, uh, I, my tooth got all infected. I got that. The dry rot, the dry socket, dry socket. Yeah, yeah, man, I got that. And, uh, That's painful. So that backfired. That didn't work out good for me. <laughs> my, my days off were in misery, so it's not advisable. Yeah. I don't suggest that route. <laughs> so that's that's what you recently did was doing the whole dry socket recovery. No, that was that was back in the army. The, the, okay. the most recent tooth was a, uh, you know, um, we're gonna get into it as we we talk about my story, but uh, okay. All right. It was, well, a, it was a consequence of my uh, my my some of my my past living. This tooth finally gave up. All yeah. right. Well, looking forward to finding out more about that. So, yeah, yeah, I know everybody was like, "Hey, why is he talking about teeth?" But uh, if it lays the foundation for <laughs> what we're going to talk about later, that's that's great. That all said, uh, sure. before before we get into uh, our questions, what I'm doing is I'm starting every show by letting our listeners know what we do at Veterans Path and then why we're doing a podcast for Veterans Path. So. Veterans Path, we introduce veterans to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from, peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. 
And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of and attendance at our retreats, while simultaneously reducing the stigma around seeking mental health support. Listeners can, di- listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by clicking veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Okay, that all said, we'll get into our questions. And again, something that I try to start every show with, just to give a little bit of context outside of the bio, is what else can you tell us about Matt Huffman that I did not cover in the bio? Uh, well, um, you know, before we before we get into that, if you don't mind, you know, we were talking about mindfulness just for a second there, and, and yeah. a, a fundamental part of Veterans Path is is that practice and what what I've been taught. Uh, through the years and working with the founders, Lee and Chris and the other veterans is that uh, it's a good idea when we, when we meet to just take a few breaths. Do you mind it. doing that? Not at all, yeah. man. Okay. I love that idea. As a matter of fact, Nick mentioned that for the, uh, for the vet leaders uh, meeting as well. So I need to get into that habit. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Let's do it. it it's easy to fall out of cause we get so we've got, we're, we're goal oriented. We want to knock stuff out, but sure. if, uh, it's really been useful just, just even pull over for it. It could be just two or three breaths, and then yeah. go, and uh, yeah. I get a sense of sense of where I'm at. And I can, awesome, I, I'm man. Be more effective if I do that. Yeah, so, let's uh, yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, and uh, if you want to lead it, and uh, hey, our listeners, sure. join in if you want to, please. Yeah, just a real short one. Nothing, nothing real intense. Uh, just go ahead and find your feet underneath you. Um, the idea is that your feet are going to land on the ground, um, and if you can kind of scoot towards the front of your seat a little more so your back's not just lounging like you're kicking back watching the, the football game or whatever. Uh, and then feel the support of your uh, sit bones, they call them, your your uh, your, your, uh, your hip bones and whatnot that connect to the seat. So you got your feet connected to the earth, your sit bones connected to the seat, and you're not, you're not lounging. You've got... Uh, if it's comfortable, you've got some support coming out of, the, of your spine from your, your hips. And then uh, imagine a straight line. If it's comfortable, again, being drawn from your hips all the way up through the back of your, your neck, up, up out to the back of your skull. And just breathe. And then gently let your eyes kind of just find some softness. Just uh, find a, an object out in front of you, maybe six to eight feet, and just cast a soft gaze. That's the idea. Not not an intense stare. Just find whatever object. I got a sleeper on my desk here. Just gently kind of hover around that area. Just keep breathing. If you feel any tension, just notice it. I got some stuff in my shoulders. You can feel some cramping in my, my legs. And I've got some different things that, that often hurt. They're, they're flaring up on me. Just notice them. I don't need to do anything to change them unless it's really uncomfortable. But 
Notice the sounds. Maybe the traffic driving by outside or the HVAC unit. Get about two more breaths and come on back. Just kind of move your hands and your shoulders if you want to. Just kind of come on back to the, the space we're in now. That's about, that's probably like two minutes. Yeah. Great. But I love that, man. Great idea. And I hope the listeners joined in and really kind of took note in, in how you felt through that whole experience and how it kind of grounded you for being present in the moment, in in the here and the now. So, Matt, great idea. Thanks for thanks for that. Yeah, and I do got to give credit to Nick, too. Nick, was, uh, Nick, Nick sparked me back on that idea as well, so I, I don't want to take all the credit for that one. <laughs> He's a good man. Good man. Yeah, for sure. And it's just it's it's remarkable to me how much uh, I can notice uh, a shift in my. Uh, so I've got I got a lot of anxiety going right now. Uh, had a had a nightmare the other night, or probably a bunch of it. I, there was one in particular I remember that got me wound up. But it, when I have anxiety like that, it doesn't go away after an hour or two. It takes a few days to kind of pass through, and it's still doing that. And so a little anxious to begin with the day. And then I walk into the post office this morning to greet my mail and there's a dog in there and it just freaking comes at me barking, you know, and I had to like get this defensive posture and like kind of kick at the thing and this homeless guy's in there. And it was the homeless guy that I recognized. Uh, and I, the dog I didn't recognize, but the, you know, I, I was like, Hey man, what are you doing with this dog, man? You can't be in it. You know, he was just cold. He was in there in the post office trying to get warm. Right. And, uh, you know, we had this, it was heated discussion for a, a few seconds and then it was like, you know, we got, I was able to, to identify what was going on. There really wasn't a threat. The dog was just, the dog saw me as a threat coming into the yeah. post office so quickly. You know, he was defending his owner. Mail he was just defending his owner. He's doing his job. Yeah. So, um, but it got me pretty heightened, you know. That, uh, the whole, <laughs> you see things coming at you, you get, you get a little wound up. So that sure. on top of what I had going already, uh, I had, a, I was a little tense. Um and, uh, you know, now I sit here two minutes later after doing that little bit of, of breathing and I, and I feel more, um, more present. I'm here. I'm more there here. you go. That's I'm, great, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. So for uh, our listeners, uh, like I said, I hope you guys, uh, actually partook in that, uh, exercise there. And now Matt, if you can tell us a little bit more about you that I did not cover in the bio. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I could, you know, I grew up in a small town in Northern California. My parents, uh, both hardworking people. My dad was a contractor and mom was a, uh, my dad was a contractor and a volunteer firefighter. He's assistant chief. My mom worked at the, the bank and they were all active in the community. And we, we did all kinds of you know, sports and different things. Um, had a pretty good upbringing, you know, but there was also this 
this other thing going on where they like to party on the weekends. Um, my biological mom was a heroin addict, and she was in and out of prison, so I didn't really know her until I was about 16. Um, so when I said mom earlier, that was my stepmom. She raised me since I was about seven years old, so I call her mom. Uh, so just, yeah, like, like a lot of us, I had a, a broken family, but I had hardworking examples uh, and uh, a lot of uh, drinking and, and partaking of some other party goods. That, uh, that the, the behaviors that go with that stuff, you know, some of the, uh, the, the, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get in a place where I'm talking to my parents, but, uh, there, there was, there's some stuff that goes along with that lifestyle that, uh, sure. That it just, it just goes. Okay. Destructive so, uh, type of behaviors, maybe. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, uh, some, uh, some of the verbal and, and physical stuff that goes on, uh, just it just goes without saying. That's part of that life, you know. And, and I don't I don't blame my parents today for the, the things that I saw. You know, I I, I ended up doing some, some negative behaviors myself, uh, in spite of what they taught me, not as a result of what they taught me. But uh, you know, the stuff I went through was real, so it it, it sits with me. You talk about uh, it, they talk about combat PTSD, and there's, there's also childhood PTSD. That, that people can experience in uh, being victims of uh, different types of violence or witnessing violence, and and, uh, and that stuff's real too. So, sure. um, so yeah, went through childhood a pretty pretty good kid, got good grades. You know, I got into trouble a couple times. Uh, was able to kind of I was, I was pretty smart, so I was able to tell the police, you know, what, whatever they wanted to hear and get out of trouble. Uh, and then uh, went in the army when I was seventeen. I, uh, I guess, I don't know if you're asking for me to tell you my whole story right now, but, uh, that's kind of <laughs> where, where hey, roll with it, man. That's, uh, that's what this is okay. all about. Organic conversation. I got you. Okay. So I went to the army. I was 17. Yeah. I really wanted to get out of the house. Uh, my, um, uh, you know, it, it was just like, I wanted to go see what the world was like, how I, how I measured up against it. And, uh, and uh, I was button heads with my dad and it was just time to go. So I got them to sign the waiver and I went in. And uh, went to Fort Benning, Georgia, infantry training in July of 92. And uh, from there, went to Fort Ord in Monterey with the 7th Infantry Division uh, as part of a cohort in a light infantry unit, which the way they sold it to me when I signed up was that we would be uh, rapidly deployable, able to go. You know, if they got a call from, like, uh, Panama was the thing that had, had been most that they had been engaged in before I had signed up and uh, they'd gone down there to get Noriega. And then they said, you know, they were, they were wheels up within 24 hours to go get that guy. And that sounded pretty cool to me. So, um, and they can deploy anywhere in the world. You know, you get a phone call, you got to carry a pager around. And I thought that'd be cool too. Like a drug dealer, you know, you carry a pager around and then then they'll blow you up and you got to go get on the, go get on the plane and go somewhere. And so here we are, we, we got this whole, everybody from my basic training unit went, the Fort Ord, we'd all trained in uh, basic together, and then we were all sent to the same company at Fort Ord. And so we, we started doing field training and working there. Uh, I, I, I did really good there. I earned the expert infantryman badge the first time I took it, and, uh, which is a pretty challenging, you know, they make you do a bunch of, you got to fire weapons and do some different uh, skills tests, and you could only get three no-goes out of like 24 events. 
and I think only like 13 out of like 120 people got it. So it was kind of cool. Wow. Uh, and then, uh, and then you know what they did is they closed that place down like six months after, eight months after I got there. That was it. We're closing down Fort Ord. The, the Department of Defense said they don't need Fort Ord anymore. We're closing it down. And so my idea, my plan is like going on, uh, going to see the world in the military got kind of shot down. They, they sent me to Fort Irwin in NTC down in Southern California, the National Training Center. Uh, and that place is not deployable. You know, it's just, we were the ops for there. So, uh, so the, for the rest of my time in the army, I was off war, and uh, we trained everybody else. They'd have they'd have army, navy, marines, uh, even foreign militaries from England. Uh, I think different different countries would come there and train also, and uh, we'd do these mock battles once a month, and, and uh, we'd be the Russian. We'd have like Warsaw packs, is the Russian type tactics with Russian visually modified vehicles to look like. Russian tanks and, and BMPs, and we'd have these huge force-on-force uh, -force battles with, with air support. You know, they'd have A-10s dropping flares and stuff. It was as, as real as you can make a laser tag battle out there, and we did that. Um, it was not bad. We'd go out there and we'd barbecue and throw the football around while the blue force <laughs> had to wear, like, Mop 4, and they were all dying, and, you know, we're out there kind of kicking back. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, so that's what I did. I I got lucky. I didn't get deployed. I, I just, I, I, I got, I did my, did my three years and I got my money for college and, uh, said, say la vie and, um, went to, uh, Chico, excuse me, went to Santa Rosa junior college at first where, uh, I mentioned my, my biological mom earlier. She was in and out of prison. She'd gotten sober for a period of time. And, uh, I reconnected with her. I stayed with her for a year or so. And, uh, kind of was able to, make amends with her. And then, uh, she, she ended up dying. She went out and did heroin again and died. And that was Jeez. a pretty, pretty, pretty tough experience for me. I, I, uh, I didn't forgive her for years until I had my own experience with drugs. So it was a real good reason for me to just stay wasted, stay mad at the world. It was one, one of my, my driving you know, people, people who stay high on drugs a lot of times have good reasons. And, uh, or it's really excuses is what it is. But right. you find reasons to blame, right? I blame my mom because she she uh, died off heroin, right? Or I can uh, I can blame my grandma because she was too nice to me, right? I can just I can get into that a little bit later. But there's reasons people stay high. After a while, you can make all these excuses to stay wasted. Um, so moved through uh, Santa Rosa JC, went to Chico State, did uh, the construction management program there. Did 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 good enough in college to get through. And, uh, you know, I, I was partying then on the weekends. I was kind of following my parents' example where you worked really hard and then you made sure you showed up on Monday and, and whatever it took to show up on Monday, you know, just like, I don't care if you're hungover, you smell, yeah. show up. Like, I mean, you, you've seen that in the military, people show yeah. up in formation, right? And they're just, totally. you can just smell the vapors coming off them and they're puking during the run, right? But you keep going. So, yeah, so that play kind hard. of an attitude. Play hard as long as you can work hard. That's it. You yeah. get the reward. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's it. So, so I had that approach, uh, used that to, to get through college. Uh, took my first job out of college, went to uh, uh, the Oregon Ducks football stadium was what we worked on. And uh, I was a project engineer. I got a construction management degree. So I worked for the general contractor. So I had access to this whole job. Like during the, the course of this build, uh, people like,
like Phil Knight, the owner of Nike, flew in. You know, he, he was a big duck supporter. And uh, I got to meet him and his whole entourage. He flew in in his helicopter and landed in there. And, and uh, you know, all these big come would come to town. And I'd have access to the whole stadium. I could bring my brother. My brother came up to, for a game, and I could go to the roof all the way to the field. I had, had these passes I could go. It was really a pretty cool gig. Um, and uh, that, that was a that was a pretty fun place to work at, up there, Eugene. That, that whole town really uh, – I'd never seen how in, uh, college football – experience was versus an NFL experience the, the, the college uh, college towns really go after it they really really they get behind their teams it's pretty They're cool. also uh, really big uh, in the track and field world with uh, old Steve Prefontaine having grown oh up, my gosh yeah uh, in, in oh my Virginia. god yeah that guy's huge up there yeah yeah he is definitely Hayward Field yeah exactly yeah. I ran yeah, I think they're, yeah, they're tearing that down work. right now they are. I heard yeah. that. Are they going to replace it? Yeah, it's yeah. a tragedy. I ran up and down those wooden stairs. I, I played on a rugby team a little bit up there. Yeah. And we ran up. Hey, we're, yeah, that Prefontaine guy was a, is a legend. That's yeah, for sure. absolutely. Yeah, good knowledge. Good knowledge. Um, <laughs> I got a little bit here and, and there. Then, <laughs> hey, I guess so. And, uh, so, so, so there I was. I was done with Oregon, and then I, uh, I had been dating a woman there, and I got – uh, you know, I, I was pretty manageable, like I said, with my my, uh, my partying and my so I'm drinking and I'm, I'm doing uh, some different party goods on the side. You know, things that go hand in hand with with uh, kind of a animal house lifestyle. Yeah, uh, yep. kind of a you know just really going after it, but but still maintaining work, still getting good good reviews from my bosses and getting getting raises and all that stuff. Uh, and so I ended up. Uh, me and uh, my girlfriend, we broke up. She calls me. She says, hey, she'd been gone for six months. She went to San Diego. She says, hey, I just had your kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is so, one of your daughters. So I, I, this is my oldest daughter, yeah. Okay. And I, I was uh, I was not prepared to, to take care of a baby at all. I was just just really. Uh, so you didn't even know she was pregnant. She just calls you. I didn't know she was pregnant. Yeah. Wow. I had no time to prepare. Yeah. And, uh. So, um, long story short, I ended up talking to my mom, my grandma, and uh, and and my my ex was not in a place to take care of her at that point. So we took her, um, took my daughter, my oldest daughter, and uh, so I I was on the way to the next job in L.A. working on the L.A. County Hospital. So I'd commute about every two weeks. I'd fly home to see the baby, brand new baby, and try to, you know, I remember being so scared when I hold this little baby because I just felt like I was gonna like break her, like I was just like. I could barely take care of my own life, much less manage this kid. And uh, it, it was really terrifying about, like, how was I going to do this? I just had no – I didn't know how I was going to be able to take care of that baby. But I knew that I, I – I, what, I, what I remember is that my mom, uh, when she was gone, I, I felt like uh, she had ditched me, and I didn't want to ditch this kid. So I that was something that I, that I was just like, no matter what it took, I was going to try to do it. But I, I felt so unskilled. Um, so, so there I was, you know, I had mom, grandma, dad helped me take care of the baby and I fly home and it was just kind of a mess. And then uh, my ex and I hooked back up. We had another kid and then things, we thought they'd, they'd go good. They went even worse than them. You know, the reason why we broke up initially, we're still there and uh, things, things didn't get better. So um, I got in a really dark place and a lot of that stuff, that I hadn't dealt with from uh, my childhood and from my, my biological mom, uh, it kind of erupted. 
And I, I went to the, you know, I was, I started having suicidal thoughts. So I had ideation, you know, I thought maybe you should just kill yourself. That, that thought, that, that voice crossed my, my mind. And it started out like once, once a month, say. And then it'd be like once every two weeks. And then like once every week. And wow. then every day. And then it's going every day. And then it's, and then it's this constant, like, and then it's, and then I started looking for a place to do it. I was going to drive my truck off a cliff. But and then I started looking for the, the cliff, you know. And I said, man, this is bad. I got to do something. So I went to the VA and uh, they gave me psych meds. And I, those things did not work for me. They made me feel um, disconnected, like so foggy that I didn't like them. And I knew that I had other drugs by then that, that would work in a way that I thought was better. Right. And uh, so I, I, uh, I kind of had a choice. Is what I, where I was at in my, in, at that time. And the choice was either do these segments from the VA and feel foggy, actually drive the truck off a cliff or just stay wasted. And so I committed to actually staying wasted. And I did that for the next five years, five um, years, five years. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, yeah. I smoked uh, crystal meth every day. I, I drank whiskey and beer every day. You know, I smoked cigarettes every day. I chewed tobacco. I, um, I had all these different substances. And then at the end of the night, I, you know, I'd, I'd smoke weed to, to kind of come down a little bit and try to eat some food. I was try, I was kind of, I was maybe a mindful meth addict. I, I, I wanted to sleep a little bit. And uh, and uh, I say that in jest. I don't know if they're... No, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so... I would like brush my teeth. I would take vitamins. I would drink water, these kinds of things. Um, Cause I saw a lot of meth addicts, you know, they didn't have any teeth. And so I was like, yeah, I want to try to keep my teeth. So yeah, so that's, that was my approach. But you know, I was really just running from that pain and uh, it, it wasn't working. And I, I thought about quitting all the time. I would sit there and um, talk to some other buddies that were getting high and we'd talk about, man, this is going nowhere, you know? Um, this is just really a, a dead end life. And we talk about quitting, but, but sure enough, we'd, within a, a week or two, find a, another, uh, another reason to stay wasted and keep going. And it would just go ahead. It went for five years. Like, and, so, and I didn't plan on that, that thing going what, like that. So what changed it? What, what got you out of that rut? So I finally got, um, put in jail, but I was able to, like I said, I was pretty good about dodging the, the consequences initially. And then finally there was, it caught up to me, you know, the, uh, the cops had seen me around enough at different places and uh, had pulled me over enough times and, you know, and I wasn't quick enough after a while and just got sloppy and they, and they caught me and they caught me red handed a few times. I, I got busted uh, for possession or uh, resisting arrest and um, vandalism. I had a possession of, uh, of uh, pretty much stealing a vehicle. I'm operating a vehicle without the owner's consent. Um, you know, some of these little crimes, and finally they stacked up to where I couldn't. So and when you first start getting in trouble, the, the judge will OR you, or release you on your own recognizance. He'll say, "Okay, Joker, you know this is a small crime. You can go on your own recognizance. Mm-hmm. We'll see you in court. And you'll deal with it." Well, or or they'll give you a low enough bail where you can make the bail. You know, if the bail is a thousand bucks, you got to pay ten percent of your bail. Right. You get out. Right. Well, as time goes by, they get tired of that. So then you start committing bigger crimes. So you know, the bail's either unreachable or you're not getting OR. So finally, that's what happened to me. I got, I got, they said, look, buddy, you're not getting out. Um, and my, my bail was like 35 grand. So I had to come up with like 3,500 bucks, which 
I had trouble coming up with like 20 bucks to like buy my kids a pizza. I remember at one point, like I really wanted to just keep enough money to be able to buy my kids pizza and root beer. And I could not keep it together enough to keep that much money in my pocket. So they wanted wow. some, I could, I could not do that. It was really frustrating. And uh, your kids, your kids yeah, at this time are with your, your parents or your, or your grandparents. Oh, you're with your ex. So my, okay. Yeah, my ex and I had reconnected after my eldest was two years old, and then from there, from the time she was two until about seven, is when she and I uh, were living together and trying to make it work. And that was that was my run. Hmm. Wow, man. So, so, she, so she would she would take care of the kids, you know, and I would come home and like, um, you know, do the dad stuff. I I uh, I put a pool up in the backyard and I play with the kids and, and we'd hang out and. Um, now and then we we'd actually do some family thing, go on a trip to the pumpkin patch or something. But there was a lot of days when I just did not come home because I was so toxic and I knew that. Like I would just yeah, I, I would just I would create a fight with her. Right, I'd start a fight with my ex and then it'd be like, okay, well, I got a reason to leave later. And uh, just stay gone. You know, I knew yeah. I was toxic, didn't want to be there. Um, so it was kind of the I, I knew that the, the right thing to do. Was, to be like a dad for these kids, I just didn't know how to do it. Didn't have the skills, didn't have the abilities. Um, lost in all that pain, you know, that I hadn't dealt with. Sure. And uh, so as time um, went by, I ended up finally getting busted enough. You know, the judge said, you ain't getting out, Joker. I'm sitting there in jail. I was writing letters to my grandma, you know, telling her out, you got to get me out of here, grandma, or else I'm going to end up in a gang in prison and you're going you're gonna to lose your golden boy. And and even grandma wouldn't bail me out. Nobody bailed me out. So she she uh, knew then that you weren't the golden boy anymore. So she yeah, she knew that this true. was the only way yeah. for you to kind of get help. Yeah, I heard later that they all kind of gathered up and said we all got to be strong and leave them in there. Yeah, and and that that's what I needed. Yeah, I needed to. I, I did a couple months in there and I got enough clarity um, to where I saw what was going on and that it wasn't everybody else's fault. Everything I had done. You know, it wasn't the, the cops' fault. It wasn't my mom, my biological mom, or even my, my new mom or my, my dad's fault. It wasn't my ex's fault, right? The thing, the choices I had made were mine, and the consequences I was experiencing were as a result of my choice. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I just didn't know how to fix, like, how I felt, like, how, like, twisted up I felt. Like, I didn't have any idea how to do that. And I, I got put in the hole at one point. I was in there. They let me out for a half hour. Uh, every night, like two thirty in the morning, to go run around this little half of the basketball court area and take a shower. So I just go wow. out of my cell and, and run like a hamster. I just ran for like twenty five minutes, and then I'd go in the shower and I'd get back in my in my little cell with a little flappy door you could bang on it to make the the steel window open up and see some more sunlight. You know, wow. I'd be in there like doing push ups. So I had a I had a an NA book, the recovery book, and I had the Bible in there. And I was seeing how people had, you know, these stories of redemption and how people had recovered by applying spiritual principles. And, and, and just like, I saw this, like, look, I was like, I don't think this is going to work. This is what I said. I made a deal with God. So look, I don't think this is going to work, but I see this, you know, this is this path that these other people have used. I'm going to, I'm going to try this as long as, you know, you show me that it's working, then I'll keep going. But I don't think it's going to work. So whatever, here we go. So I, I just started like uh, internally kind of like saying, okay, is there a, another another idea besides my, my? Uh, I, I was always acting off like self-will. I'd be like so driven, like I need to react. 
I need to react right now. I got to go. I got to, I got to attack this thing um, with, uh, with anger or with uh, just like this, like almost like uh, a spirit of destruction. Like I've got to destroy the past, whatever it is in front of me. Like, you can't apply that to a relationship with a woman. I can't destroy that past. Like that's a totally, and I still haven't figured out that concept, but it, uh, that's, that, that was my mindset towards like, you know, like I could apply that kind of angry energy towards like getting up in the morning when I was hungover and it would like allow me to show up at work. Right. But it ended up after time, it failed me. It failed, that, that approach, it was only sustainable for so long. It a more sustainable approach. Opening myself up to suggestions, opening myself up to um, other ideas, other concepts besides that lizard brain, like react idea. I'm gonna, yeah. I've learned how to respond instead of react. Um, was was the idea was was what I what I needed. It was like a huge um, one of one of the you know four corners of my table. Of how I, I don't know if there are how many corners around my table, but that was one of the one of the legs that was going to hold me up being open to this other idea nice there's another way yeah um and then sure enough as time went by so 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 the judge was getting ready to sentence me um uh, i oh here's what happened i bailed out of lake county jail I, I got enough money for my va you know i had a va comp check coming in and it stacked up to enough to where i could bail out All right so i bailed out well guess what i had a felony uh hold in another county so they Oh jeez! The, the guard comes to me and says, "Hey, you must be the most unlucky guy." Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, buddy, but you ain't going nowhere. You're going. To, you're getting ready to get in the van and go down to Woodland. So, Ouch. so sure enough, I uh, got loaded up and, and hauled down there, and uh, I was able to talk to the. I, I got held there for another few weeks, and I, I I talked to my my public defender there and just to tell him the judge there that I was going to get sentenced in Lake County to a bunch of time. Let's let him out on his OR here to go back up there and let them deal with him. So they let me out. Okay. And I had a choice to make. It was like, you know, my instinct was go rob banks and let them put me in prison for something good. I'm going to prison on all these punk, char- punk charges. I'm going to go to prison for something good. Uh-huh. And, and, but there was this other, you know, kind of a deeper wisdom that was like, dude, you might not see your kids again. And, when you get sentenced in two weeks, you need to spend as much time as you can with these kids. So my ex had a restraining order on me at that time. She had a new boyfriend and I had to like go kiss butt to be able to see my kid, man. But I did it. Like I just kissed butt. I was like watching my kids while she went on dates and stuff. It was so humiliating, but I just did that for, for that next two weeks. Yeah. And, um, somebody said, Hey, you want to try rehab? You try rehab. You might be able to stay in there instead of going to prison. So I went, I ended up doing that. I didn't think it was going to work either. And where'd you go to rehab? Sure enough, the, I, I did rehab here in Lake County. This place called Hilltop Recovery. Okay. I started out there. Yeah, I did three months there. And then I did about uh, 16 more months or 13 more months. I did 16 months. So I did 13 more months in the VA program down in uh, San Francisco. Got it. Yeah. And was, was uh, meditation and mindfulness a part of that rehab? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, uh, you know, that's. Meditation is uh, is in the 11th step in recovery. I don't know if people probably, that aren't in recovery don't know that. And then meditation is also outside. Like people think of meditation as being this kind of Buddhist product, but it's it's practiced in uh, a, a lot of other religions. I know Christianity has it in the Bible. Meditation is, is written right. in the Bible. Sure. Um, you know, it's not, uh, not necessarily just 
one specific religion that does it. So uh, that was something that I was kind of hesitant about. You know, this this meditation thing to me looks Buddhist, and I thought I was going to be uh, betraying my God if I went to, right. to these different meditation yeah. retreats and did this. Have, have you thought about that? Like, I, idea? I've had some people ask me about that specifically, and I went on a podcast not too long ago, and then after I interviewed, um, so I was the guest on the podcast, and after I interviewed the guy was like, hey, I, I don't know if I'm going to air that because it's it's Buddhist teachings. I was like, well, it's, it's actually not. I mean, there, there's there's foundations in, right. the, in the Buddhist religion that, that are, are that, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're practicing. Um, you can be Christian. You can be Muslim. I mean, there's all sorts of meditations that are out there, and, and they're secular. Um, so anyhow, yeah, I, I've, definitely, I've definitely experienced that. At this point in the podcast, we had to take a break because I hadn't properly reserved the podcast booth. We're going to take this as an opportunity to put in a plug for our sponsors. All right. Hey, uh, welcome back. I had to take a break there. I'm, I'm recording in a studio where we actually had a, a tour of the studio happening as I was recording with Matt. So I had to break there for a quick, uh, quick minute. I am back. Where we were is Matt was talking about his time in and out of different prisons. Uh, he had paid bail at one prison, uh, had a felony, and ended up straight down the road at another one. Um, he was now on his journey through rehab. Meditation was a part of that. Uh, his spiritual journey was a part of that. We were covering the fact that meditation isn't necessarily religious, isn't necessarily tied to being a Buddhist uh, or, or not. Um, but that's where we were. I'm letting Matt run with this show. He is just killing it. So I'm going to let him go, man. Wherever you uh, want to take us from from here, go to it. Okay. Okay. Good deal. Uh, just just to be clear, I um, I like to be on uh, be truthful about my experience, and I I never actually made it to prison. I, I only was in county jail. Um, that's a uh, not that I'm any better than anybody that went to prison. It's actually kind of a uh, that's uh, it's just that's somewhere I, I I never made it. So I don't. Want that's to me showing my ignorance. Uh, yeah. So no, my fine. my yeah. my apologies there, brother. Yeah. No sweat. So I just like to be clear on on what my, my experience was. Absolutely. So. Uh, um. Okay. So yeah, I. Uh, it sounds like we were at the place where I was. Uh, I had kind of made a decision to, to go ahead and try to follow a spiritual path and open myself up to other suggestions and other ideas besides those ones that I had been driving off of for so long, which were based around anger and, and, uh, and fear. And um, so with that said, I, I started to, to look into uh, taking suggestions, right? So there, and, and opening myself up to what, uh, what what prayer and meditation could provide to me so for, for me prayer and meditation go hand to hand and i've been taught that when i when i pray i'm speaking to my higher power to god um you call it the some people call it the universe you know whatever you want to call it i'm not going to get into big piss and match with people about that you know um we can all uh, subscribe to whatever beliefs you want and i'm, sure. I'm cool with that um so so pray is talking to higher power um or the universe, right, or God, and then when I meditate, I'm listening uh, for what yep. uh, 
what the universe can bring to me, what God can bring to me. So it's kind of a two-way street. So prayer and meditation can be go hand in hand. Um, and so there was a, there was a cool one more one more kind of cool story from that wreckage. I'll, I'll share with you. This is one of my first moments of actually uh, seeing what 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 uh, what God had for me instead of what my own self-driven will was. And I was like I said, I was getting ready to go on the run. Uh, I I thought about going and robbing banks and on the way to Mexico and just living on the beach down there. Like this this thought had, had crossed my mind, and I actually talked to some guys in jail that had done some bank robberies and like. I was like contemplating this. This was like what I had come up with. This is my solution. This is what I was going to do. That's and, out there, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I look at it now. It's like, man. And so, um, so I, I, I knew that that was a bad idea. But you know, this was like I was so scared. I just, you know, it's just this is what I had come up with. This, this is what my my fix was. And um, so here I am. Uh, I had gone to rehab. Somebody said, you go to rehab, you might be able to get out of prison. I go to rehab, and I was in there for about a, a month, I think, and I was going to get sentenced. And we go to the sentencing, and the probation report comes down. And the probation report, my, my attorney hands it to me. What, probation does an interview with a person who's been convicted of a crime, and they recommend a sentence. Usually the judge goes with that recommendation because probation, you know, they have uh, – they're able to, to analyze, you know, somebody's – criminal history and their tendencies and their, their some some of their personality and say okay this guy's likely to reoffend or he's just, he's not going to benefit from a short stay in prison he, he needs a long stay so they came back with the recommendation of the max term okay so they said wow. we want this guy to do the max term and and prior to that I'd been told by my attorney that I was going to be recommended to get the minimum term and maybe get to stay in rehab so. Now I'm looking at this, this report and I'm getting ready to get sent. And I, here comes that thought, I'm out of here again, you know? And so I, I went to the bathroom. I said, I need to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and uh, I was just going to go out the back door and haul ass. And I, I, I caught myself. <laughs> wow, man. I, this is like stuff from the movies. Yeah, I, a bad movie. <laughs> um, it was, it was uh, a really pivotal so, I, so I, I looked in the mirror, right? I was washing my hands, and I, I looked in the mirror, and I said, you know what, that's it, that's just it. I go, I go, whatever you got for me, God, you want me to go to prison, let's do it. I'll go to prison, I don't think it's a great idea, you know, but if you want me to do it, let's do it. I'm just tired of running, whatever you got for me, you think that, you know, I don't, I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, I don't see how it's going to be good for my kids, you know, whatever, but hey, I'm just, I'm tired, man, let's go. You want me to do it, let's do it. I'm going back in there, and whatever you got for me. And it was this moment of like willingness that was outside of myself that I had not prior to that point very often experienced. And it was, it was one of the most powerful uh, kind of teaching moments for me because I went back in there and the idea was it didn't matter what, what the sentence was at that point. I'd gotten to a place where I was going to be at peace with whatever it was. Okay. Yeah. Now what, what happened was they ended up letting me stay in rehab and, and I went forward from there. But there's there's other stories I've heard of people that didn't get that that outcome. They end up having them in prison, and they were they were able to to work in there and help other people, um, and and have had successful lives, you know, from a short stint in prison or even from a long. I know a guy. I don't. I haven't met him, but he's a friend of Lee's. He's on death row, and uh, in San Quentin. And this guy's been really helpful to a lot of people in his practice. Uh, so, um, circumstances don't necessarily drive how effective we can be as people. I mean, there's right. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, this is something I've learned. Okay, so here I am. I'm, I'm, I get to stay in rehab, and I don't have to go to prison. Uh, the judge says, look, you jaywalk, though. You're going, dude. We're done with you. We're done with you. So I had to, like, I had to walk the line like Johnny. I just remember I had this image of walking with Johnny Cash as a song, walk the line. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I had to walk the line. I, had to just, I couldn't jaywalk. I was, you know, I was just going to church. I was going to bed at, like, 8 at night for a while. Like, I was just, like, I, I, uh, I would see some of my friends, um, you know, and they'd be like, hey, let's go party, man. It's so good to see you. And I'd have to just say, I love you and I miss you, but I'm doing something different now. And I said that over and over and over again. And uh, it took a while. It, it took a while for me to, to shift from that mentality and the, the temptation for it to be removed. And uh, I started really getting, you know, I ran into a link. I was, so like I said, I went from the, the Hilltop Recovery Place here in Lake County down to San Francisco VA rehab uh, program. And uh, Lee and Chris put out a flyer for uh, Veterans Path to do a rock climbing event. At that time, Veterans Path was called Honoring the Path of a Warrior. Right. And they, they did this rock climbing event, right? And I was like, oh, rock climbing, that sounds cool. Well, I didn't know about that they were going to be doing this meditation there. I just thought it would be rock climbing. This is badass. <laughs> so I, I go to the rock climbing event, and I'm like, we're going to rock climb. You know, it says lunch is provided too, right? So I said, lunch and rock climbing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they so, got you. Oh, man, they hooked me, yeah. <laughs> but we go there, and the first thing we do is we sit in the circle, and we're sitting there, and we, they start, start talking about breathing. And I'm like, what the, what's going on here? This is a bunch of hippies. You know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and they start just kind of, you know, talking about just listen to the sounds you're hearing and, and pay attention. And, and, uh, and I got this, like, uh, kind of a glimpse of this sense of, of peace, of, uh, of calmness. Uh, and, you know, when I was getting wasted, I was seeking that. I was seeking that that I would take uppers and I'd take a drink or I'd smoke weed and I'd try to find that, that happy space, that sweet spot right in the middle. You know, I try to get right in the middle and I'd rarely get there, but it was always synthetic if I got there with the drug. Right. This was real. This was real. And I was in this space and I was in this kind of cool, calm space. And it was like, Oh man, this is cool. This is cause I didn't know if I could do this. Cause like I said, I, I was on the verge of killing myself when I went on that run. So now here I am on the other side of it, and I, I don't know. I'm scared that I'm not going to be able to stay sober because that, that thought of killing myself is going to come back at some point. You know, I'm, sure. I'm tripping off that. And, uh, and here it is. Here's this answer. This thing, this thing is a sustainable solution that I found to that, that, that freaking that dark place in my mind, okay? This is what this felt like. This, this, was, this was an answer. And, uh, and and I, I just had maybe a little taste of it that day, right? But I, then I started to do There was another guy that was teaching it. His name was uh, Chase, Chase or Chance at the VA. Um, he was teaching meditation. I do it a couple times a week with him. And, and uh, just really liked that uh, that sense of calm that I, you know, we'd, we'd meditate some days for like, we'd do some yoga and meditation for like an hour sometimes. And I'd walk out of there just feeling like, I would oh, like man. notice how, how, man, I would be elevated. Yeah, I would feel like a brand new, I would feel clean. I, the, the, I could, my, my vision was clear. You know, I'd notice, I'd notice uh, the colors would be more vibrant. And, uh, it was a, it was really something. You know, there was times when it was like, this is cool. This is what I was looking for when I was getting high. This is what I was looking for. Right. You know, it wasn't like that always, but there was moments like that. Um, so I, 
you know, I had this, this was like, it gave me a lot of hope is what it did. Uh, nice. And, and that's, that's what I needed back then, you know, to turn that, to keep walking this path. Uh, and then, yeah, just, so as I started going, I got back into school pretty quickly. I took one class at first and then, then two classes. And, and I had to do a lot of rewiring in my brain. My, you know, you party like that, like I did. We call it partying in one room. It just, it's not usually a party, but uh, <laughs> just doing a lot of hard drugs. is uh, yeah. It's hard in the brain. You know, sure. uh, the, the neural pathways, they had to be rewired. Yeah, they had to be atrophied or I've been burned out, right? Like the, the overload yeah. of dopamine, it's basically a thousand times those normal levels of dopamine is what that, what goes on inside the brain on meth. And, uh, but I heard about neuroplasticity, the idea right. that the brain can rewire itself and can use other parts of the brain and, uh, and, and some of these different concepts and people that had been in, been able to recover from some of these places I've been, I'd met them and talked to them. And so I, 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 I kind of grabbed onto these stories and, and, and uh, these articles and uh, just kept going. And my, you know, sometimes it felt like my brain was under construction. Like I felt like demolition was happening. I could bang in a new freeway and my brain was just on pathways. So I'd have ripping headaches. You know, and I'd have to, to pause. I'm sure. But, uh, but it, it, I just kept plugging and I, and I kept uh, being open to the idea, you know, and I, they were going to let me out of rehab at like a year. And I, and I just knew I wasn't quite ready. So I stayed in there. Um, I was still seeing my kids. And they let me go see my kids on the weekends. And um, I was able to maintain contact with that and, and kind of rebuild those relationships. Um, but I needed more recovery. I needed more um, tools and more time. Uh, a lot of people, when they start out back on the path, they want to get I got to get back to my kids, you know, and they end up getting back there and going right back to the same old way. Well, you lose them again, you know, right. it's like, we got to give ourselves a chance to heal. Um, and so I, I was, I was taught that give yourself the best chance to succeed. So I, I kept that kind of at the forefront and went back and I finished my bachelor's and then I went, you know, I got the opportunity to go to law school. I got some funding and, uh, didn't think I could do that once again, you know, I don't know if it's going to work, but let's try it. And sure enough, here we go. And, uh, Passed the first semester of law school, and then the second, and then, you know, four and a half years later, it's time to take the bar. And, uh, pass and the first go, like, man. Pass the thing, the first go. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I just put it all, you know, I, I spent uh, 78 hours a week studying leading up to it for about two months, didn't work, and, and knocked it out. I was, I was scared of having to take it again, so I just, I I bet. just put it all in the field. Well, that rewiring, that, that, I mean, yeah, that must have worked. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, like I said, I've been able to do a couple trials. I've done uh, two jury trials and one bench trial since I've uh, been an attorney. i got another one coming up. And I won one, and uh, I lost one. And um, I won one of the jury trials, lost another one, and won a bench trial. And, uh, you know, and I and I get to uh, kind of court fight in court, uh in the, in the mornings on Mondays and Tuesdays uh, now, and I'm in some of the courts that I used to go to. And in the beginning, the, the guards and the, the district attorneys would look at me like, what are you doing here? You should be in a jumpsuit. And uh, <laughs> You're on the other end. But now I'm on the other end, and they see that I'm there to help people. You know, I'm, I'm not just there to get people out of trouble. There's people that are, uh, that are, that are addicts or that, that are veterans that are, uh, or that are mentally ill. You know, and I've got, a real sense of I, I, I'm them, you know. I can say I, I'm, yeah. dude, I've been there. I've yeah. been there, 
and they and they know it, you know, because a lot of them have seen me be there, or they've heard about me be there, and, and they just know it anyway. Cause they, you know, we, we engage on that level, um, and, and about once a week, there'll be somebody who will approach me and they'll they'll say, "Man, I want to do something different." And I'll, I'll know where to send them, and I'll know like hey, nice. how you do that. Yeah, it's been it's pretty rewarding that way. Um, yeah. There was a, a question that uh, we had talked about the idea of the dark black past being my most yeah. valued possession. Yes, right? that that was the next question I had on my on my tongue, oh, man. Hey, so we're just there you go. Right we're right, we're cool. in sync. Yeah, go for it. So, Tell us so, about that. Okay. So okay, so the the dark. So there's a Megadeth song. Megadeth's a heavy metal band, obviously. They they, they had a, a a passage in one of their a line in one of their songs from the 90s and it's dark black past is my most valued possession and I, I thought that was kind of cool but then I got into recovery and it's in it's in it's actually in the book the big book it talks about how our dark black past is our most valued possession and then it, so that idea is that the things that I've gone through and the things that I've done I can use those the waller, so like earlier when I was talking about, I needed all these excuses to stay high. Yeah, right? I can use this dark black past, the things I've done, the, the people I've stole from, betrayed, done violence to. Um, I can use those as reasons to waller in my guilt, or I can use these as as a way, a means of connecting with other people who are going through those types of things right now. Right? I can I could have a choice, and I can use this as and, and also it can be a deterrent for me going back to that way. So it's kind of this twofold um, possession that I have. Like I said, most valuable possession because I don't want to go back there. Right. So I've got so I can connect with people. So the idea is this: the antidote to my darkness is service. The antidote is service. I need an antidote to that that craziness. I got to be a service. But how do I get into service? I got to be able to connect with people. How do I connect with people? Well, with my experiences, right? We've all got this this bank of experience that we've been through. Everybody's uh, a lot of so everybody on the face of the earth has some kind of experience they've been through that they're able to, to relate to other people. And if, uh, one of my bosses said that he said, you know, if I try, I have something in common with most people. And it's been pretty true for me. If I try, I got something in common with those people. Yeah. Uh, and so some of these things that are really heavy, though, right? We got some heavy, you know, veteran, the veteran community. We've got some pretty heavy things that we've been through, right? And, but we can uh, share in those experiences, and that, that helps to form bonds that that you may right. not. Then we're connected. Otherwise. Yeah. Right. Right. And and so now, if I've got connectivity, if I've got someone who's in this thing with me. I don't feel alone, and I don't have to go. My, I'm much less likely to get to that dark place. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've in the past, I've been, I've been doing this recovery thing for uh, nine years, and there's been times, a couple times where I've had patches where that thought come back. That thought, you might as well just kill yourself. It's come back. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not cured of it. But, but, but the antidote was for me to get back into source. I, I needed some rest. Because I was going too strong, too hard, and not not taking care of myself, I needed some rest. And then the antidote was to get into service. I had to, I, I had to get around some people that that needed needed what I had to bring to the table. Even though I felt like I had nothing to bring to the table, I felt so spent that I had nothing. 
I had one of my spiritual advisors said, hey, you got to help some people. And that'll be the answer. And it was, it was the answer for me. It helped me get through that path because it's kind of, it doesn't just go away instantly. It takes days or weeks or months for that stuff to pass through. It's like a, sure. a freaking bad kidney stone or something, right? It's got to like <laughs> pass through. <laughs> just, you can't just spit it out. It's not like a chew with Copenhagen, right? You gotta, yeah. It's got to pass, right? It takes its time. Um, and then I've been taught during those times that I'm growing. Okay, I'm growing during these times, so, so don't beat myself up. Because um, there's a tendency to feel like, I'm back here where I started. This is so, so frustrating. How can I be back here? Well, I'm growing. I'm growing. Okay? Yeah. I'm learning. I'm, I'm growing. Uh, so, yeah, that... that uh, so here you are. Being able... I mean... So here yeah, I am. Here yeah. I am, yeah. That's, that's yeah. an amazing story, brother. I mean, the... Uh, I, you know, if I didn't know you and I didn't know where you are now and somebody told me, you know, the first half of what you told me in the show and somebody said, okay, guess where this person is now? I would say either, either dead or in jail. Um, sure. I would certainly not have guessed you are where you are now. So you've beat the odds. Congratulations, man. And I love that you're sharing your story, uh, with, with others. I love that you're working with veterans path as a, as a vet leader, uh, I think it's great that we have you on board and, and again, sharing your story to give others who may be experiencing the same thoughts, may have similar backgrounds. Uh, they, you, you're really giving people hope. And, you know, going back to the beginning when I introduced you and I talked about you having a passion <coughs> to, to really stand up for those who are unable to do so for themselves. I mean, that's, that's what you're doing right now. You, even in telling your story right now, there may be people that are listening who are having dark thoughts or may have a background, again, similar to yours, who think that they are um, at the at the bottom of the tank and can't come back up. Well, you are, in fact, proof that that is not true. So great, great job on, on getting to where you are, man. I, I love it. Thanks, man. Yeah. So now can you describe to uh, our listeners what um, – what veterans path leaders are now, now that you are a veterans path leader or sorry, veteran leader within veterans path. Can you explain to the listeners what, what that is? Sure. The, um, so, the, so the veteran community inside of veterans path, um, which any veteran is eligible for it. I think, what do we have? Like a post 1990 is a cutoff date or something. Um, but uh, anyway, so we have, actual veterans who participate in the teaching of the practices we do in veterans path so the mindfulness training um the uh, so what, what we usually do is we'll have one day events and then we also have uh, one day events include like something like rock climbing um and mindfulness or going to the beach and mindfulness or uh um you know canoeing on the river and mindfulness. So you have an outdoor activity coupled with the mindfulness training. And then there's also an opportunity to kind of share where you're at. And uh, so there's community that, that's cultivated there. You build community. Uh, the veterans leaders are taught skills to facilitate, so to transmit the message, right, and to uh, hold space, keep the agenda moving, hold space for somebody who maybe needs a little more time to 
to uh, contemplate what they're saying. Maybe they, they've got their brain a little scrambled like I had mine. It takes a little longer to, to, uh, to put together what their words are going to be. And maybe, maybe we don't need to jam, jam airspace with a, a bunch of people talking. Maybe this person needs a little, little more time to come to the table. Right. To, to recognize that and to hold that space for that person. Um, to, to skillfully uh, recognize when somebody's having a tough time and, and kind of go check in with them. Um, we've, we've been taught some of that. We're trained in some of that stuff. Uh, then, so we've got the one days, and we've got also anchor programs, which are more intense. Uh, they go for about a week, and then there's some follow-up that's done, and there's about 20 to 30 men on one side, and then they do women on the other. So you, you have, it's, it's exclusively men vets are on the anchor program on one side, and then you have exclusively women vets on the other. Uh, and these are about four-month-long programs where vets are able to explore some of the deeper issues they're going through. Um, and get some real, real good growth. I've got a anchor program group that I'm still in contact with that I, uh, I was the leader of. It's been uh, 2017. We started and we're still checking in once a month. That's awesome. Um, these guys. And we're, and we're, we text, I don't know about every other day. Somebody's got something to bring to the table. Nice. Um, yeah. If I could, it's been if really I could just good. interject real quick, Matt, for, for our listeners. Yeah. Side. You know, yeah. they may be wondering why why we do those uh, gender specific anchor programs, and I mean, I may, maybe they're not wondering, but I'll, I'll just put it out there um, that you know, with some of the trauma that some of our veterans have seen, that it makes sense to uh, kind of protect them uh, or keep them uh, in in a in their with with their same gender, uh, so that they can share stories about things that they experienced that may be gender specific but one thing that is not gender specific and that that's healing um right you know being open to healing isn't gender specific um practicing mindfulness is not gender specific but sometimes sharing those stories you're going to be able to share stories more openly amongst your own gender um so that's that's why we do it the way we do it with veterans path so i just wanted to throw that out there really fast so our listeners know why. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't uh, I didn't contemplate saying that, but yeah, the, you know, there, the, we do have that space reserved in the anchor programs where we protect um, that opportunity for for men to, to speak freely about their issues, and then also for women in, in their their uh, program to speak freely about their issues. And then we also have places where we come together. We have the one day's work, which is men and women, you know, working working side by side and together and um and then we have the rafting trip that we've done historically it sounds like we're going to do again this year that it's, it's uh, been men and women going on that thing um so it's not like we, we just separate everybody all the time there's there's we honor that space for people in the anchor programs to have their um, have a, a space where they can feel safe for men have a right. space where women can feel safe right and then we have also a time where we can come together and, and work towards healing uh, both men and women uh, together. Nice. Yeah. So as far as you personally, Matt, um, are you still practicing regularly? I mean, obviously, we, we opened the whole show up with a mindfulness breathing drill. What's your daily practice or regular practice look like? Yeah, okay. So 
uh, I was I was taught this early on is that mindfulness is cumulative. Okay, so if I yes. do it, yes, if I do it every day, I'm going to get a greater benefit than if I did uh, a three day retreat once a year. Okay, right. so if I if I if I do and if I just do a little like I, we just did that little two minute shot this morning uh, when we started, and if I did that two minute shot every day, I'm going to have a huge benefit. There's days when I'll do three breaths because I'm, you know, I'm jamming. I got to get to court. I got, right. I got kids to take, you know, and it's like, okay, hold on. Just pull over. Just get three breaths. And that, what's that take? 15 seconds. Just yeah, right now. Like I can go and grab three breaths. Yeah. I got, I got two breaths right there. So um, five seconds, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So just, I make that dedication. I do it. Here's how I do it. Every morning I get up, my, my, uh, I'll, I'll go hit the head and then uh, I'll pour a cup of tea and then I'm, I, I crack the Bible. I got a little passage I read. Nice. And then, uh, and then I'm, I'm meditating. I'm, I'm sitting there. I got a headspace app. That guy will do the, uh, they do between three and 20 minutes, but I, I usually grab the three minute version just because um, it seems to work for me. Um, or I'll just sit there and, and breathe just like I did with, with you and I. And as long, you know, I, I feel like once I can get to where I can hear the sounds around me, I'm kind of, I've dropped in. I've kind of tuned in um, yeah. because my head goes so much that I'm not hearing the sounds around me. You know, I, I think I talked to you about how I walked in the post office this morning. I almost got bit by a dog. Like this homeless guy had a dog in the post office and uh, I was just on such a war path of getting my mail. Um, I almost stepped on this guy's dog. And uh, so if I had been more mindful, I could have been aware of my surroundings better and not get almost got bit. Sure. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, just, just uh, taking a pause, taking a few breaths. It's, it's really, really, really uh, granted me a bunch of benefit. Sure. Um, my, the cumulative piece, I'm, something uh, we've talked about on past shows, is it's it's much like the gym, and I, I keep beating that drum so that people understand that yeah. analogy. I mean, if you go to the gym for three days once a year, you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. You may be sore, right. uh, <laughs> that's right. about it. Right. Uh, but right. but if you go to the gym for even you know or work out rather for 15, 20 minutes a day for a year, you're going to be in a lot better shape than you were at the beginning of that year. Uh, right. Same thing with mindfulness. If you if you're able to practice for just a couple of minutes a day, even if it's not a, a formal meditation, if it's just like we did the quick breathing drill, or just being aware of the the surroundings, paying attention to what you're hearing, pay attention to the sensations that you're experiencing, uh, you can do that daily throughout your day, multiple times throughout your day. That adds up, and you, that is goes back to the rewiring and the neuroplasticity that you were talking about before. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna keep keep beating that drum. So if you're a, a listener, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that again. It's just like the gym. Just like the gym. <laughs> so, That's right. Good drum. Keep yeah. that beat going. Yeah. Well, hey Matt. So getting to the end of the show, what have we not covered that you wanted to make sure we talk about? Yeah, you know, you did talk about uh, throughout the day, and, and I like I like that idea. Even throughout the like, I, I do get my one in the morning. There's sometimes when, you know, I'm like lounging with my girlfriend, I'll miss my morning meditation. You know, I give myself a break I and I don't beat myself up if I miss it. But sure. I'll bet you 300, 340 days out of the year, I'm, I'm getting that little that little practice. Uh, but also throughout the day, you know, like 
I'll catch myself getting wound up on the way to work. I'll be like, man, I got my chest is tight and I got tunnel vision and I'm, I'm kind of getting irritable from this guy trying to pass me. I can, now I can notice. Right. Let me just turn the radio off and grab some breath on the way in here. Yep. I'm down, you know, I can grab them then or, or I'm getting ready to run into the building. Let me just grab one or two breaths before I go into this building. Into the, let me just come back to my, my center. Come to that, you know, here I am. And then I go. Now I'm going to respond instead of react. Right? I'm going to I'm going to act from a much stronger position than I would be if I'm just kind of trying to run through it. Yep, no doubt. It's been really good for me. Um, yeah. So you said what do I what do I got? What else do I want to talk about? I had some little notes here that there were some stories. Um, I was in. Uh, Okay, yeah. So this, uh, you know, we were we were planning on doing this podcast for a couple of weeks, and I, uh, it was interesting. There was a, I was trying to figure out what we we're going to talk about or what I was going to talk about. And yeah, it's 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 a trip now. When I kind of open myself up to that, you know, it's, like I said, prayer, meditate. I, I, I kind of put that out there, and I, I say to God, people say to the universe, and and something will something will if I'm open, I can I can usually run into. Something will appear, you know, magically appear, quote unquote, magically appear. Uh, this guy, I was like I said, I was contemplating what I was going to talk about, and I was talking about how my experience can help others and how that dark black past is the most valuable possession. Right. And this guy reached out to me. Um, he was uh, he hit me up on Facebook Messenger, and he he was uh, I met him in like 2013, and I was first starting law school, and I I didn't have a lot of time, you know, I was busy with school and I was stressed out and. And this dude was, uh, um, he was facing 12 years in prison. He had stabbed somebody in a fight Jeez. and he had been to prison before and, you know, it was around drugs and there was, uh, and, uh, and he was, you know, he was scared, you know, he's scared. He's going to go, he's got a wife now and he's got going to go to prison. He's going to lose his wife. And, and I said, man, um, uh, you know, I, I didn't have that exact same story but i had a situation where i thought i was gonna lose everything and go to prison you know i told you i was getting ready to just rob banks on the way to mexico like that's how right. desperate i was you know so i could relate to him in that way like hey here's what i did i started doing the right thing right I stayed sober and i i just started walking that path right started helping others right how, how can i help somebody else along this way and i kind of started sharing those principles with this guy well it took about two years of the court process, but he ended up getting put on probation. He never had to go back to another day in jail, uh, remarkably. Um, he's, he's married now still. He's got his house. You know, he, he helps a bunch of people. Like, he just he reached back out to me um, after it has been a period of time, but he did that in that moment when I was searching for something to, to talk about. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of people like this that, like, um, like I say, this this our experiences we can help other people with them and, and so by me helping him is my antidote to my sickness too it's just like sure it's just like it's a cycle it's, it's the way I, I i get to heal myself so if i'm open to going forward so this is important too if i choose to go ahead and say hey i'm good i'm gonna step back you know i've done enough work i'm good i'm gonna pull over i, I have a sense for me that i I might go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're not moving forward, you're uh, going to be moving backwards. 
Yeah. So I, uh, I, I feel like I need to stay engaged in this thing. Um, and I keep bearing, I keep seeing, seeing that the gifts, you know, the, the fruits, it keeps opening up. I mean, it's just, it's really a trip to me. I work, so I don't only, I not only do the, uh, the criminal defense thing, I, I work with a, a really strong firm out here in California that is working on one of the biggest um, tort cases in the history of the United States. Really? So, yeah, and my, my boss is in, like, the Wall Street Journal all the time. Like, I mean, wow. it's just amazing, like, the, the circles I get to walk in now, you know. Congratulations, <laughs> From man. From where I was. Yeah, <laughs> just this trip. that's great. It's really cool. You know, he comes to me for, he has me do different projects and stuff, and he, I feel like he trusts me with stuff, and it's, it feels almost like you're reading about somebody else or watching a movie about somebody else just kind of when you think about those memories and think about what you did go through in your past life um so i'm, I'm sure that's there's great lessons there but i'm sure it almost feels surreal in that uh where you are now compared to where you were yeah so I, you know I'll go, go ahead. ahead so yeah i was um, gonna say like Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, man. I'll, I'll edit all this snafu out. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I mentioned the, uh, a nightmare, you know, that I had uh, yeah. at the beginning of the week that gave me some anxiety. And I think that nightmare or one of them, uh, often the ones that give me the anxiety are the ones that are about me, like falling back into that, that old, my old behavior. Oh, sure. Drugs or, or, or doing, you know, and, and I'll wake up freaking jacked up, man. Like, holy shit. What have I done? Um, so so yeah that it it it, uh, it it does feel like a movie sometimes but I, I try to remember where I came from you know like yeah. you know I don't I don't want to go back there I, I right. I'm not any better than anybody else who's there right now so I, I try to I try to remember that there you go and I think that's important yeah well well Matt um, thanks so much for coming on the show man thanks for sharing your story thanks for starting us off right with that with that grounding that breathing getting us mindful. Uh, thanks for sharing your dark black past and, and how valuable that gift is to you and, and how it's gotten you to where you are today, uh, which is very counterintuitive when you, when you first think about it. But then when you think when you really dig into it, you kind of see what what a gift it truly was. Thanks for for being vulnerable. Thanks for being strong enough to share your story. Um, your story is, is truly, uh, you know, I've said this in, in past episodes, but it's kind of rising up from the ashes uh, that that Phoenix coming up through the ashes. So great, great on you, man. It's uh, and, and sharing sharing that story is going to help to break down the stigma of, of seeking mental health support. So thank you again for coming on the show, man. Right on, John. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners, thanks for listening to the show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. You'll see pictures of Matt on there as a, a as a veteran leader. Uh, we, too, are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and share it with your friends and family. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the button on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.